Good morning, all y'all. So, the topic for today was scheduled. First of all, this is like an experiment to see if we, if we take away the locks, if people still come. No, just kidding. You going back to Florida? Um, so, the topic this week was scheduled to be about year-end gifts. In today's society, it's very common, uh, whether it's uh, in your professional life or even in some, some areas of social life, um, to give gifts around this season. And there's many shyless involved. One is in general, there's a prohibition to give a gift to a non-Jew. There's also the prohibition of giving gifts around their holidays um, because that could cause them to, that could inspire them to thank their deity. There's also the prohibition of um, doing um, doing purchasing non-kosher foods. So that could apply if you want to give non-kosher food gifts. There's also the prohibition of drinking alcohol in non-Jewish um, stores or environments. So lots of halachic areas to touch on, which are relevant this, uh, this well, it's kind of a little bit past the season, but, uh, you know, uh, that's what I was going to talk about. Um, but then someone, who shall remain nameless, um, made a comment to me yesterday that the Rashis and the Psukim in this week's Pasha, which in last week's Pasha, in Pasha's Vayichi, of the blessings of Yosef, are impossible and boring. Now, he triggered me there because, I mean, I will agree that they're difficult. They're definitely not impossible, but they are, can be difficult. But if you think that they're boring, uh, I think you're out of your mind. Um, it's the furthest thing from boring. It's absolutely fascinating. It's like this puzzle trying to put together all the pieces. And so I decided I'm going to prove him wrong. <coughs> so, yeah. Well, it's, it's in general, all the poetic parts of the Torah, suddenly, it's not like you're just reading and you trans... If you know Hebrew, you translate the words, and Rashi gives you a little bit of context and structure, and you put it together. Suddenly you get to these poems, which, do, which actually make no sense without the commentary. You can't just figure it out on your own. Um, and um, so they are difficult, but it's certainly the furthest thing from boring to my mind. So what I would like to do today is go through the brachas of Yosef. The brachas, the, the, what is it, the five or six psukim um, of, Yosef, of Yaakov's bracha to Yosef. And primarily going to focus on Rashi and Unklus. The reason I'm starting with those two is because Rashi always, when you learn Chumash, the first, the most uh, primary commentary on Chumash, amongst all of Klal Yisrael is Rashi. We all learn Chumash with Rashi. And Rashi himself, in general, and specifically when it comes to these type of poetic parts of the Torah, Rashi gives a lot of importance to the, um, to the commentary of Unklus. And um, in this, for example, in this case, Rashi interprets the Psukim, and then he says, and Unklus, da 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 And some parts of Unklus are the same as Rashi, some are different, but Rashi always incorporates Unklus into it. Now, what's... You, what's unique about Unclus versus all other commentaries on the on the Torah is that Unclus he he just says what it means sometimes it's tra- so he's translating sometimes rarely but sometimes and this is more pro- pro- prevalent in in poetic parts of the Torah um Unclus adds in a few words that are sort of his commentary, but he's not telling you how he got there. He's not telling you how this word in the Torah means this word in Aramaic. He's just telling you what it means. And then we have this, whereas Rashi says, oh, this word is similar to that word, so, da, 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 so it means this. Unclus doesn't do that. He just says what it means, and then we rely on the later commentaries of Unclus to, um, to explain how Unclus got there, yes? Just to clarify where Unclus is, he's not saying that the 
So Unclus is the time of the Romans, is the time of the Tan, although the Gemara says in Megillah that really the translation of Unclus was given from Sinai, and Uncle, then it was forgotten, and Unclus reinstated it, but Unclus is kind of, con- it would be considered sort of, in the hierarchy of things, Unclus would usually be considered like a Tana. Um, but nevertheless, the Rishonim do argue with him many times in his in in in, the, in his, their commentary to the Torah. And uh, okay, we could discuss exactly how what, what, you know if he's a Tana, how they allowed to argue with him. Shivim the Torah. Another topic for another class. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, just a, a bibliographical note. So, a few books that I've used. First of all, this is a really fascinating book, book called Parshagan, where this guy must be, I mean, he's not alive anymore. I've, e- I've had some email correspondence with his children, who have tried to continue his legacy, because he's, um, he published this on, I think, three or four out of the five books of the Torah, and his children are trying to finish up his project. But he is an absolute genius, and he knows everything to do with Unclos, so I've used this book a lot in preparing the class. Then there's this sefer called Shari Aaron, which is also sort of a, some sort of anthology with a focus on Rashi and Unclus and also on others. And then in this Chumash Eshel Avram, you also have a lot, a lot of important notes, both on Rashi and on Unclus. We've never done this before in this class, and I kind of have no idea how long this is going to take. It could be that we'll finish everything I prepared and be bored. It could be that I'll finish and that, that, that I won't have enough time. Let's just see how this goes. It's kind of an experiment. Okay. So... The first pasuk in the bracha of Yosef is Bein Poiras Yosef, Bein Poiras Alei Oyin, Bonnois Tzuado Alishor. So, so let's just uh, take that. You can't take a Chumash. Okay. Bein Poiras. So the word Bein, we know that means a son. Fine. Poiras. We're going to see what that means. Yosef. Okay. Then it repeats Bein Poiras Alei Oyin. Now, here in general, we have two approaches to the repetition of words in the poems in the Torah. When we talk about the poems in the Torah, I should just clarify. Which poems are there in the Torah? So there's here the brachas of Yaakov. There's at the very end of Azazah Bracha the brachas of Moshe to the Shvatim. It's also quite poetic. Then you have Az Yashin and Parshas B'Shalach, the song that the Jews sing um, after the splitting of the sea. You have the Shira of Hazino, which is the second to last parsha, which uh, we call it a song because it's a poem. It's not really a song of praise. It's rebuke, but it's written in poetic fashion. Um, a little bit, you have you have a very short poem where the Ali Oz Yashir Yisrael with the Be'er, where they sing a song of praise Hashem for the for the well of Miriam, which and, and which also includes the war, um, where there was the miraculous um, demise of those who were trying to kill the Jewish people, um, and then you also have a little bit of not so much, but a little bit poetic in Bechukaisai and Kisavai in the toch, in the two Toichachas and the two rebukes of the Jewish people. All right. So when you have repetition, right? When you have repetition in, in, in poetry, and uh, that's just in the Torah, and Nach is full of poems, right? I have Tehillim is basically all poetry and any others, right? So yeah, she is the Vera, etc. Anyway, so when you have repetition, many, I, I think most commentaries understand it just to be part of the poem. So for example, I'm trying to try give some examples of psalms that we're familiar with. In the psalm for Wednesday, we say, Kel Nukome Sashem, Kel Nukome Sophia. Alright, let's see how he translates it. Um, if you're looking in the Siddur, on page 73, the Lord is a God of retribution. O God of retribution, reveal yourself. Right? So, why are we repeating the word Kel Nukome? That's part of the poetry. Um, I think you have a similar idea in Mizbushelia Mashabas. Um, where I think also over there, 
Behold, your enemies Hashem, behold, your enemies will be, to, will be destroyed, will be lost. Again, it's just repeating. So most commentaries understand we don't need to translate it twice, it's just the poetic thing. However, um, some, and, and Barisham Unklis is famous for not doing that. Unklis doesn't say, there's no repetition. If it's repeated twice, it means two different things. So we'll get to that in a moment over here, where you have this repetition of Bain Poiras Yosef, Bain Poiras Ali Oyin, Bonois. So Yosef is a son of Poros. He's a, he's a son of Poros on top of the eye. Again, I'm just translating literally before we unpack it. Shore daughters stepped on top of the shore. Does anybody know what shore means? How does it spell? Shin vav resh. Isn't that ox? Shore. No shore with a. See that's why you have to say shore. Shore shore with a chaylam. Was Ari would say shore? Yeah, is an ox. Shore with a kibbutz. With a shuruk, shur, is a different word. Oh, shayir would be more good. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, that's why Ashkenazim. Okay. Anyway, so we're not going to get we're not going to get into discussion the of the etymology like and of his involvement of different pronunciations. You um, don't do ye for shayir for kibbutz. Okay. So Rashi says like this: the word pyros is actually an Aramaic word, and it means. Chain. Chain, I guess we translate as grace. So he brings a, a famous Gemara actually, we'll give grace, we'll give a gift. So the, the root of the word is peirish, which is an Aramaic word for grace. And peiros, which is peirish sof, means grace. Where, where does the extra sof get, get in? So Rashi adds on later on. Tof is called tikkun haloshin. Sometimes you have in Hebrew a word that we just add in a tof because it sounds better with a tof at the end. So, like dibras is dibur. Sometimes you have dibras. Al dibras peneodom. Rashi gives that example. So, bein poiros Yosef. Now that we know that poiros means poir and poir is Aramaic, bein poiros Yosef. Yosef is a man of grace. Okay. Why yeah. did the Torah all of a sudden use a different language? First of all, the Torah sometimes includes other languages. There's many words in the Torah which. Rashi says it's Lashon Roimi, you have a Kivri Karisili we just had yesterday. Um, but specifically that's the case when it comes to poetry, that you can't ask the question, why does the Torah use this language? I mean, you can, but I don't have any answers for you. Um, but um, it, it's, the commentaries, are, from my experience, the commentaries are not, going to be, are not going to discuss why the Torah uses this language as much as they're going to discuss what, what does it mean. Um, and then we repeat, Bain Poyras, he's a man of grace, alei oyin, on the eyes. So that's a poetic way of saying his grace is upon those who see him. So, Bain Poyras, Yosef, Bain Poyras, alei oyin, Yosef is a man of grace, his grace is upon those who see him. Now, the word shur could mean two things. First of all, shur can mean a wall. Um, we have in Tehillim Yudches, Psalm 18, um, where it talks about conquering cities, it, it mentions Shore over there. Belikaya Dalek Shore. With my God, I jump, I, I jump over the wall. I am able to con conquer the cities. I think it means in that context. So Shore can mean a wall. Alternatively, Shore can mean to gaze or to look. Like, for example. In the prophecy of Bilam, he says, Ashurenu veloi ato. 
So the Ashur, I see it, but not now. He's talking about Mashiach. So Aleph before the words makes means I, and Nu at the end of the word means it. So Ashur Renu means I see it. So Shur, the middle word means see. So Bonois, daughters, Tsuado Aleishur, Tsuado means step, Aleishur on the wall. So Rashi says what this means is that, well, Rashi actually says two things, and there's actually different versions, there's, there's a variation of texts within the Rashi, so, but let's, I'll say both of them. One is that the women <laughs> stepped upon the wall to be able to um, get a glimpse of Yosef, and the other is that they got themselves in position for a glimpse of Yosef. It's the same idea, the point is that when Yosef is um, paraded around Egypt when he is installed as the Mishnah of the Malach. So this was a big parade, and he was in the Merkavah Mishnah, which either means he was in Paro's spare chariot, or it means he was in the chariot next to Paro, depending on which interpretation you take. But this was a major fancy parade, which garnered a lot of the media's attention. So all the women, the Bonois, um, and Rashi gets into why Tzuado is in the singular and Bonus is in the plural, but basically the women were standing, were, were, climb, were, were, were climbing up and trying to get good spot vantage points to be able to catch a glimpse of Yosef. So again, Shur either refers to the wall which they climbed upon, or it refers to the Alei, Alei Shur for the purpose of getting a glimpse, but it's the same idea. And there's a really, I think the way I understand it is there's two points over here. You could, it's either talking about the beauty of Yosef, because he was so attractive that everybody tried to look at him, or on a perhaps deeper level, it's an allusion, it's a reference to his, um, it's a reference to the prestige and the prominence that he merited to become such an important guy, and we're referring to it, as we often do in these type of poems, with a kind of an, an auxiliary element of it, the fact that the women were looking at him, but the point is that this was a, uh, the, 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 the very important moment in his career when he was promoted to be Mishnah the Malach. But the word Alei Shur? So Alei Shur means for, for the purpose of. Alei is like Al, right. right? We have the extra Yud. And then Al can mean for the purpose of. Not on the wall. No, 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 no. Uh, well, I- if you say Shur means wall, then Alei Shur means on the wall. Oh. If you say Shur, Shur means seeing, then Alei Shur means for the purpose of glancing. But both mean that he was that they were trying to get a glimpse of him. Yes. Either way. Yes. Then Rashi adds. Okay. So so far, let's. That that's one whole interpretation of the pasuk from Rashi. I'll say it in English. Yosef is a man of grace. His a gra- his grace is upon those who see him. Women grabbed vantage spots on the wall to look at him. Okay. That's one. Then Rashi says. Now Rashi in general has this complicated relationship with midrashim. But in this case, whenever the, he often quotes, sometimes and, and with that, throughout the brachas of Yaakov, obviously Rashi doesn't quote nearly all the midrashim that there are. But sometimes he says, "Oh, there's many midrashim," and that's it. If you're curious, go and look. And sometimes he says, "Oh, there's a midrash that fits nicely with the words," and then he quotes what the midrash actually says. So here's one of those cases <laughs> where he says that um, when when Yaakov came to greet Esau at the beginning of Vayishlach, so. And you look at the Pesukim there, you'll see that always it lists the, the mothers followed by the sons. So Leah, and then Reuben, Shem, and Levi, Yehuda. Bilha, uh, right, so they all went in front. Besides Rachel, it says, Nigash Yosef, Rachel, Vayishtachvu, Yosef, and then Rachel. So Yosef went in front of Rachel. So Rashi brings in the Medrash, Omer Yosef, Yosef said, Rosha hazeh, Enoi, Rama. This Rosha, his eye, is 
tall. In other words, he has he's greedy. He's got uh, he has aspir- aspirations for his eyes. Shamu Maybe he's going to gaze inappropriately at my mother. So therefore, he stood in front of his mother. and he extended his posture. So he stood upright. to cover Rachel. and this is what his father blesses him. Bein Pyros. Now, so now we need to find a new interpretation for Pyrrhus. Here it doesn't mean grace anymore. Now Pyrrhus is Miloshim Piru Urivya. The mitzvah to procreate, to become many, is Peru Uravu. So Pyrrhus is in a reference to that word. So being Pyrrhus Yosef, Yosef is a man who extended himself to cover his mother. Alei Oyin. What does it mean, Alei Oyin? From the... From people seeing or gazing. Or from cover, to cover the eye of Esau. So now... And therefore, you merited this greatness to be paraded around as the Mishnah of the Malach, where the women looked at you. So now, let's read that Pasuk according to this second interpretation of Rashi. Yosef is a son who extended himself to cover the eye of Esau looking at his mother. Therefore, you merited to be so great that when you were paraded around Egypt, everybody's, you know, the women climbed up to look at you. That part is the same. Now, another thing, Alei Oyin, Alei Oyin, go up for the, uh, could, could be read as going up of the eye, so this is what we spoke about yesterday. Ayin, what's the eye? The eye refers to ayin hara. Um, and ayin hara can be very dangerous. But Yosef is alei ayin. He goes up from the eye. He is immune to ayin hara. Right? And this actually mirrors, Rashi points out, that this mirrors also the bracha that Yaakov gave to Menashe and Ephraim, the sons of Yosef, where he says, mm-hmm. they should be like fish. And one of the aspects of fish is that they are covered by the water. They're not susceptible to Ayn Hara because they are out of sight, out of mind. Um, so, just curious, so there, it's some kind of merit that, be, be, that he, all these people are gazing on him. It's a merit because of what he did for his mother, by protecting her from the gazes of... of, of uh, but it's almost kind of coming uh, full circle and saying... That, it's not such a merit, generally speaking, for people to be gazing at you because right. there's an Einhar involved. But well, he's above that. Right. So it's kind of connected, those so two. You, yeah. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, the fact that there's even a premise that, that, like, that it's a good thing, right. that like, I, in some way, that I, I you know, Sheker Echen Vehevla Yofi, you know what I mean? That's like, right. why, you know, I've always, I've always been bothered by any time that right. you have Right. So again, so that's why I think it's important to remember that on a shot level, we're not actually making, giving prominence to the fact that they were climbing up the walls to look at him. That's a reference to the fact that he was paraded around you and promoted to Mishnah the Malach. Now, on a deeper level, we do have to understand, well, why is it? Why is it that we're referring, just say he was paraded around Egypt, why are we referring to his um, physical attractiveness and, and, and the fact that people were tempted to gaze at him? The fact that it matters that, that other people find him attractive. I mean... I, I, that's that's kind of human nature, right? you know. The, the Lord built it into what we are. There's a reason why the salespeople are the more attractive people, and the people, that, you know, the dweebos who are real smart, you know, they're sitting in the back doing smart things. Right. They parade these, you know, attractive people out to sell you stuff. That's just. No. Why I, is that weird? No, I just. Is I, that, I, is that I, weird? I don't think I was saying uh, that it's weird. I, mean, I think Ari's questioning why we why are we emphasizing that. I would expect the sales department to, to focus on that. I wouldn't expect the Torah to. Well, I think the, the point that he's making is, is a good one. It's that, like, normally, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? People who are attractive have this disadvantage. You get Ayn Hara. Yeah, maybe that's the point, right? They're saying, 
the whole advantage is he's got there could also be, I'm just thinking now, there could also be, because there is reference later on in, in these books, and we'll see, there is some reference to the whole story with the wife of Potiphar and how Yosef overcame that challenge. So it could be like, you know, this was your blessing, but it was also something which caused a challenge to you and you overcame it. So he sort of had a real problem. Right. right. Being that good looking. Right. <laughs> it's not always a blessing. Yeah. Hard life, hard right? Life. <laughs> the good looking people, that's the hard life. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next Pasuk. Uh, again, what I want to do is I want to go through all of the Pasukim according to Rashi and then go back and go through all of the Pasukim in order to, in or, um, according to Unclus so you get sort of a whole uh, thing. Okay. There's some guy, there was some modern one that I do. I think you passed by Rev Epstein and told me that story years ago, decades ago. So, what kind of firm? You know, firm guy, but you know. I, uh, I get advances, people, the uh, women start uh, com- oh. coming up to me. So he says, we, well, you're wearing contacts. Start wearing glasses. Put on a keeper and grow a beard. Rabbi <laughs> 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 Epstein actually has another friend who's a Lubavitcher guy who he wears a wedding ring only at work. He keeps a wedding ring in his desk at work, and when he gets yeah, to work, he right. puts on the ring, and that way he... Um, <laughs> all right. So means masters of chets, which let's for now translate as arrows. is a reference to being that they made it bitter. Varoibu is a complicated word. Vayistamuhu is the same root as the word like it's connected to like bearing a grudge. Right? So Rashi says like this: His his brothers embittered him, and here embittered is a relation to that they they sold him as a slave, which is hard work. And we find reference in Parshas um, in Parshas Kisavai that no in Parshas Vaera they they embittered their lives with hard work. So slavery is 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 connected to this word, and they embittered him. Varoibu Rashi says, um, actually different than most Mufarshim, Rashi says that Varoibu means they became his um, they became his enemies, they picked fights with him. And then Rashi also adds that in addition to his brothers making his lives bitter, it's also a reference to Potiphar and his wife making his life bitter by sending him to jail. Um, others say that Rebu means that they shot arrows at him, which kind of matches much better with the Pasuk because we're talking here about Bali Chitz and people of arrows. Right? So then Rashi continues. Um, okay, there's a whole dictuk Rashi, why it's the Rebu and Averavum. Well, it doesn't mean physical arrows, but it means it's a, a metaphor for the people who, who uh, were antagonistic to him. Oh, they shot, like, shooting, I'm shooting daggers. And then it says. Vayistamuhu, again, Vayistamuhu already said means like bearing a grudge. But Rashi doesn't touch it up here. Um, Bali Chitzim. Now here, it means so. Bali Chitzim is people of arrows. Now the reference over here is to to tattling on him, to saying bad thing, lashon hara about him, and that we have in, is a reference from Tehillim Kufchaf, which talks in lashon hara about being arrows. Yeah, what does it say in Tehillim Kufchaf? 
song about people throwing arrows at him, by the way. That's, I mean, the main people who gave him a hard time in life were his brothers. Yeah. Yeah, one second. Here, what will you gain from having the bad tongue, from speaking bad about people? Compared to sharpened arrows of the warrior. Right? So, is a reference to those who were talking bad about him. Now, Rashi does talk about his brothers, other, others take out the whole, other Mepharshim Taka take out the brothers thing, because they don't, they don't think that it would be, re- they say, no, Yaakov wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be bad-mouthing the brothers now when he's talking about Yosef, rather, I mean, he, he, he's rebuked <laughs> them before, but now it's focusing on, on, we're not focusing on the bad of the brothers, and therefore other commentaries, uh, besides Rashi, um, interpret this process to be exclusively about the wife of Petifar, not the brothers. But Rashi Beferish mentions both. So now let's translate this whole pasuk according to Rashi. His brothers embittered his life by selling him into slavery. Petifar and his wife embittered his life by sending him to jail. They became his enemies picking fights with him. Petifar's wife and other ministers in Egypt retained their grudge against him using their sharp tongues to tattle on him. Right? So that's a reference to Petifar tattling on him and getting him sent into jail. And also Rashi brings that the other ministers of Paro tried always to to find fault in Yosef, to tattle on him so that they would, he would be demoted from his position. That's political rivalry. Right? Exactly. So Rashi does mention the brothers in the beginning over here, but in, in the end when he talks about the tattling, he, talks, he doesn't talk about the brothers over there. All right, now here we have a very ambiguous pasuk. Vateshev be'ison kashtoi. So let's translate it literally. Vateshev, and it sat. Be'ison in strength. Kashtoi, his bow. Vayofoizu. Um, again, that's not a word that anybody ever saw, say, sees outside of here. Zeroya Yodov, the arms of his hand. Midei from the hands, Avir Yaakov. Bepashtus um, Avir Yaakov means the God of Jacob. We, we have that in, in the Navi in Yish. It's interesting, nowhere else in the Torah is God referred to as Avir Yaakov, but in, in, in Nach you have in, a number of times the Goya Lech, it's in Torah, the Goya Lech Avir Yaakov, the strength of Jacob, or the support of Jacob, refers to God. Misham from there, Roya Shepherd, Evan Yisrael, the stone of Israel. Okay, so, as you can tell, very ambiguous, let's unpack it. So, Vateshev Be'esin Kash, now, one thing that Rashi or one thing that the Mepharshim don't explicitly do is connect one Pasuk to the next. But sometimes you just stop a minute and you think, okay, now, so Rashi says, Vateshev Be'esin Kashtoi means his, his, his strength was affirmed with strength. So, based on his strength. Kashtoi, Rashi says, also means his strength. And so, his power was strongly affirmed. Now, there's a continuation going on. Despite this, you have to sort of add in those words. So, the previous puzzle talks about all the people who are out to get him. But despite this, his power was strongly affirmed. And other commentaries add in that that means, amongst other things, that his dreams were in fact fulfilled. So they were trying to get him, oh, you had those dreams, we're going to sell you, we're going to kill you, we're going to throw you in the pit. And nevertheless, no, his strength was affirmed, his, um, his, his, uh, his dreams were fulfilled. And then it says, Now the word Vayofoyzu, is one of these interesting poetic things where you take a noun that doesn't usually have a verb and you make it into a verb, which technically in Hebrew you could always do that, right? Um, 
in English, when you do that, it just means the guy got drunk, right? You take a table and you say the guy was tabled, it means he was drunk, right? He was stoned. He was, ta- whatever, he was chaired, he was fought. You can do that with any noun in English. <laughs> but in, Eng- in Hebrew, when you, take a, um, when, when you take a verb, a noun, and you make it into a verb, it actually works. But this is a rare one. The word pause... You know, in, uh, Chinese a lot. So the word pause itself, does anybody know what the word pause means? Pause, pay zain. No, that's that's pause, pay tzadik, which means to spread out. We'll get to that in a minute. That's very funny. We'll get to that, but it's very funny too. Pause means gold, right? We say it on in Psalm 19, which we say on Shabbos morning. We say hanachemodim mizohov umipazrov that the Torah is more cherished than zohov and gold umipazrov and much gold. Let's see how he translates it. They are more desirable than gold, than much fine gold. So pause is fine gold. So Yodov is that his hands became golden. How did his hands become golden? Everything he touched uh, gold. So that's a reference to um, Parshas Miketz, where before his royal parade around Egypt, um, he is given a golden ring on his finger. Yeah, oh. that Parry puts... The gold. We also revealed has, has okay. That's on his neck, but but, but uh, Rashi says it refers it to the to the ring. Okay. So now, so let's again go back. Despite this, his power was strongly affirmed when his dreams are fulfilled, and he even received that. Not only was dreams fulfilled, he even went so much as to he received the golden ring on his hand, becoming the Mishnah of the Malach. Midei Avir Yaakov, he received these these blessings from the God who is the strength for the hero of Yaakov. And then, the way Rashi explains this, Misham Yisrael So Rashi says, Evan Yisrael, the stone of Israel, refers to Yaakov himself, who is the rock of Israel, or the Ikron, uh, like the, the mainstay of the Jewish people of Israel. And Misham, from there, from his position of being Mishnah Lamelech, Roya Evan Yisrael, he became the shepherd or the provider of sustenance for Yaakov and his family. So again, let's read this whole pasuk. Despite this, his power was strongly affirmed, his dreams were fulfilled, he even received the royal golden ring on his hand, he received this blessings from God who is the strength of Yaakov and went on to be the provider provider of sustenance for the father of the Jewish people, namely myself, Yaakov. Now, then uh, Rashi brings... Evan Yisrael? Evan Yisrael, Rashi says, Evan, he brings a pasuk that Evan, Evan Arosha, Evan means like the foundation, the, the, the Ikran Shal Yisrael. He was shepherding... He was shepherding, which means providing sustenance for, for Evan Yisrael, the... the, 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 so the that? That's me, Yaakov, the person talking. Oh, he's Evan Yisrael? Yeah, Yaakov is. Him, no? Yeah, but he's also Evan, he, he is Yisrael, but he's Evan Yisrael. When you're talking of Yisrael as the Jewish people, he is the Evan Yisrael, the foundation of the Jewish people. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. Now Rashi references the Gemara in Saita. So the Gemara in Saita goes through the whole story of Yosef and Potiphar, 
and with the whole, it's a, quite a miraculous story. And Rashi says how that whole story is alluded to in this pasuk. So let's read the Gemara. The Gemara says like this: It's in Soita Daf Lamed Vav Amid Beis Thirty Six P Tanan Dvarim B'Shmal. I'm not going to read the whole Gemara, just the part that's relevant to this pasuk. That day when Yosef is secluded with Potiphar's wife, Yom Chagam Hoya was the day of their. Uh, Chagah, it was December 25th. They all went to their various houses of foreign worship. She said to everyone, Oh, I can't come, I'm sick. I have no better day to get together with Yosef like today when it's all private. So she grabbed his cloak. So the Gemara is understanding that he was literally about to do the act. Um, at that time, the, fa- his, the image of his father came, of Yaakov came, and appeared to him in, in the window. And he said to him, Yosef, the names of your brothers are going to be inscribed on the stones of the Ephod, which I guess refers both to the stones on the Ephod and also the stones on the Cheshen, and your, your name is going to be among those. Do you want your name to be erased from there? And instead you'll be referred to as the person who visits harlots. So immediately, so kashtoi, again, kashtoi literally means a bow, when you shoot a bow. So in, in, in Torah language, there is this idea that when a, a man ejaculates, it's yorekachetz, it comes with force. So it's, that's why it's compared to a bow. So vateshev be'esan kashtoi is kind of a metaphor for saying that his erection died. It returned to its default position. So this, this, this inspiration from his father that don't do this caused his arousal to die. So now, we're going to translate, just like you said, to switch the Zion for a tzaddik. Zion and tzaddik are amongst the letters that could switch with each other. Um, so, so what, what, what he do, in other words, he's, he's now inspired to cease. But what's, how's he going to do this physically? So he's, he pokes his hands into the ground, his ten fingers into the ground, causing himself a lot of pain. Rashi says... Um, That's to pull back the... Uh, he wanted to cause himself pain. To, that the pain should sort of distract him. And the passion of his desire should pass. So that's how he's going to sort of physically um, be able to... Um, to, to, to the, sort of ba- uh, kill down the, the arousal. This is w- the advice that Shulchan Aruch gives, right? If uh, if a person yes. is a little loyal and yes, they realize they realize in the middle of the act, not with the fingers necessarily. Not that they realize the that they yeah. That talks about the toes. in the middle. She says, "Oh, you know, I'm so really, she, she I'm, became I, nida I just, in the middle. Yeah, nida, so you're not supposed to even you're not, pull back if you're still hard. Yeah, the Rambam holds the zikri of kares if you pull back while she's nida. So, so you, you stick have to your toenails into. Basically, the point is you cause yourself pain. Yeah. Causing yourself pain will, um, yeah. So now, and then comes the miraculous part, where the the zera, the the semen in, um, emerges from his fingers, from 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 behind his nails. So he stuck his ten fingers into the into the ground, and then the semen comes out from there. And then Gemara actually continues that 
because of that, he lo- he was originally he was going to have just like Yaakov had twelve sons. Yosef was going to have twelve sons, but because of that, he lost ten sons, and they were taken by Binyamin, who had ten sons, all of whom were named in honor of Yosef, as Rashi says in Chumash. But what, what, just the the, the came out of his fingers. Yeah, that's what the Gemara says. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I I'm sure you can I'm sure you can imagine that there's a lot of levels of interpretation to this Gemara, we're not going to go there now. Yeah, but to, me, to me, on a very simple level, it was, just, it was such a passion, so strong, it was coming no, out of his fingers, you know? It was like, he really No, but this is, the, this is the other end of it. This is no, once I a desire but it had to be released somewhere. Yeah. I'm just okay. saying, it's, the point isn't that it really... You don't need to, again, the, this Gemara is Agatha, and there's many, many commentaries on the Gemara, we don't have time to go there now. Now, then the Gemara, then the, the Gemara continues, that this was... Um, this was inspired, this overcoming the temptation was inspired by Avir Yaakov, by, um, so according to this, we're saying that Avir Yaakov means uh, the rebuke. Avir, yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how, but Avir sometimes means rebuke. So Midei Avir Yaakov from the rebuke of his father, Misham Roya Evan Yisrael, now you got the connection to the stone, is because of this, he merited to be on the stones of Israel, on the stones of the Ephod and the Cheshen. Okay? So according to this interpretation, we're going to retranslate the whole Pasuk now. Um, his erection returned to its default when he poked his hands into the ground. The semen emerged through his spread out fingers. He was inspired to do so by the rebuke of his father and then merited his place on the stones of Israel, the stones of the Ephod. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Again, soon we're going to go through, review everything in order where you'll see how it's one long, continuous thing. We're just doing possible by possible for now. They were all over 18. Mikaela Vicha on Viazreka, Vais Shindal Dud Vivarecheka. So this comes from the God, well, from the God of your father, and he will help you from God, and he will bless you. Blessings of the heaven from above, blessings of the depth, um, deep down, blessings of Shodayim Barachim. Now, Rachim means a uterus, a womb. Um, Shodayim, so it's interesting, Shodayim usually refers to breasts. But here, most of the commentaries understand that Shodayim is an Aramaic word. There you go, you have another Aramaic word in the Torah, where Shodayim means to throw. So, for example, a Yore which means when you stone somebody and you throw the stone of him, is translated by, uh, by Unclus to mean Shoddo Yishtodayo, whatever, I'm not pronouncing it right, but that root of Shin Dalad Yud refers to throwing, which again is a reference to the ejaculation where it's thrown. So it's got to do with parenting. Okay, so let's unpack this. Rashi says, all of these blessings, again, Rashi's going back to his previous period where we're talking about how he wa- his blessing that he was promoted to, to the position of the king of Egypt and the position to be able to provide sustenance for the whole family and for everybody. So this was given to you from, you received this, Mekel, you received this from God, the God of your father, Yazraka, so he'll, and he'll continue to help you. Veishada, you were with Hashem when you with, when you overcame your temptation with Potiphar's wife, and therefore Vivarecheko, He will bless you. Which type of blessings? Sarashi Akav enumerates now three blessings. all his blessings that they'll be good, they'll be proper due. is that your, the earth will be moisturized, so that that uh, uh, that, that 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 gives healthy um, produce. Which we said is the blessings of 
Shadayim refers to the ejaculation, Racham is the uterus, means that you'll have healthy fathers and mothers that your descendants will have um, will not will have proper fertility. There won't be any fertility problems. And it's actually interesting that later on in the book of Yeshua we talk find that Menashe had the biggest problem. In today's language, they would say they had the biggest problem of uh, population growth. Yeah, they 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 were they didn't they couldn't fit in the in the area that they got, and they needed to get more. And then I think they went to conquer more land. It was a whole story. So Yosef is is the Shevet is the Menashe Ephraim. They're the ones who are. Um, growing and um, with leaps and bounds. Okay. Now we have one more pasuk. Okay, so again, um, yeah, let's review that. You received all this from God of your father, and he will continue to help you. You were with God when you withheld from Potiphar's wife, and so he will bless you. He will bless you with proper dew, moisture in the earth, and fertile men and women. Okay. Now the last pasuk of the bracha. Birchas of the blessings of your father are powerful than the brachas of my parents. At Tavas give us Elam until the corners of the mountains of the earth. They should be to the head of Yosef and to the skull of the separated brother. What does all this mean? It says Rashi like this. The blessings uh, well, the blessings of that Hashem benched me. Are even greater than okay. So basically, one second. So Rashi is now introducing the fact that the blessings that Hashem gave Yaakov were even greater than the blessings Hashem gave Avram and Yitzchak. Hashem gave Avram and Yitzchak very specific blessings that for the land of Israel. They're going to get the land of Israel. When it came to Yaakov, it was what we call a nachlo belimut. Sorry, meforatsta yom. Everybody knows this pasuk. Meforatsta yom of akenma. It's a fine of an egg, but it's beyond all leaps and bounds to all directions, northeast and southwest, which is why. Um, we talk about um, we, we actually in, uh, there's a pasuk in Yeshaya in Chabad we say this on Shabbos day before Kiddush that we refer to specifically getting the inheritance of Jacob which is a nachlam belimutzarim which is even more than that of Avraham and Yitzchak so the blessings of your father which is me right Yaakov are even better than the brachas of my parents because Avraham and Yitzchak didn't get the type of um, limitless, infinite bracha that I got. At Tavis Kivisoyla, my brachas reach Tavis, Rashi says, is like in Pasha's uh, Bahar, you have Vihisavisem, which means the, 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 the end. At Tavis Kivisoyla, until the very end of the earth, and Rashi doesn't say what the word Gibbis means, but Pasha means mountains, so till the end of the earth where the mountains are. To Yenna, so all of these brachas that I got, which are even better than the brachas that my parents got, should be Lerosh Yosef to the head of Yosef, it should come to Yosef, to the head of Yosef, or Lekodke Nazir Echav to the one who is separated, who is above all his brothers, because Yosef is like a king, so he's elevated, like we say, the king is Meshich Mevamayla Gavoya Mikolaam, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. So he should get these blessings. So again, let's just summarize that pasuk. The blessings that Hashem gave me are even greater than those that he blessed my ancestors. They reach all corners of the earth. May those blessings be bestowed upon Yosef, who is head and shoulders above his brothers. Okay? That is the whole baracha of Yosef, according to Rashi. Um, we're quite pressed for time, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go, go rewind to the beginning, go through the whole thing, hopefully quickly, according to Unclus. And then I have these handouts, which is just... The whole, the whole thing in one thing according to Rashi and according to Unclus and to read it and see how it all comes together. So, Unclus 
like we mentioned before, there's no double lashon for him. So for him, ben peiras Yosef, ben peiras ali oyin has to mean two different things. It's not we're not just re- so we're using the same word because that's poetic, but they mean two different things. So the first ben peiras, um, uh, um, Rashi uncle says beri the yiske or the yaske, the son who is many. Again, just like Rashi in his second interpretation, where he spoke about peiras meaning how Yosef stretched himself. To cover the gaze of Esav to Rachel, so here also it means the person, the, the son who is many, right? Who, who, who uh, a reference to his, his 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 well, not many, the one who is great, the one who is a reference to him being um, a, a great tzaddik or a great king or a great leader, whatever exactly, yeah. But the one who is great, and then the second Ben Peiros, um, the second Ben Peiros means. Um, like um, the word poiros means uh, means a vine. So poiros is a reference to a vine that Yosef is compared to a vine, alei oyin, and here oyin doesn't mean an eye, but it means a uh, spring. So Yosef is great, and he's compared to a vine that is planted on a spring. So that's a very healthy vine. And then it says, Bonis Tzadah Alishor. So here there's different interpretations of the way Rashi interprets the Unclus and the way others interpret Unclus. Everybody agrees that it means that his children are going to be Shavatim. That, 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 right? Because Yosef's children, Menashe and Ephraim, are split into their own Shevet. Um, Rashi says that it's referring to the daughter. The, the words of Unclus are, Terein Shiftun Yipkun Mibinoihi. Again, the words of the Pasuk are, daughters stand on the wall. Or on the seeing, and what Uncle says is, "Train shiftin yipkum mibenoi." Two shvatim will come out of his sons, Yekablon chuk of achasanta, who will receive a portion and an inheritance. So again, it's quite cryptic and very unclear how that's connected to the words of the pasuk. So um, Rashi makes a reference to the daughters of Tzlavcha. That's why it refers to them as daughters. But the, the, the easier way to understand Uncle is that we're talking here about a vine. So if you talk about the daughters of the vine, that means the branches that emerge from the vine. So, Bonois, the, the branches that emerge from Yosef, from the vine, Tzad Alishur will step up onto the wall, namely the wall of the vineyard. In other words, that those branches will become vines in and of themselves. Which is that his children will become their own Shevet and thereby receive an inheritance in the land. Okay? Like I guess the, the fact that it says daughters doesn't matter, doesn't matter too much? No, we're talking about the daughters, the extension of the vine. Oh, meaning, okay. All right. Then, sorry? No, I was just going to say, so Oklas is referring to Ephraim and Menashe saying they're going to make, the, they'll be their own tribes. That's, yes. That's the reference. Yes. With the double. Uh, yes. Lashes. They're extending onto the walls of the vineyard as a metaphor for them becoming vines. And, uh, the, these twigs become a, a vine in and of themselves. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So just a couple of points here. It's quite similar to Rashi. They vismaru ime, which either means they made him bitter, or perhaps it means they 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 they, they fought with him. Vismaru in, in Aramaic can also mean a battle. So they fought with him in Akmohi, They revenge, took revenge on him by equally. They pained him. Guvrin gibarin bali plukte. So here Rashi says that it's referring to his brothers and bali plukte. Palguse plukte or palguse means to divide. So his brothers are those who are divided with him because brothers are the people with whom you divide inheritance. Right? Others say that Gubrin Gavurin is a specific reference to Shimon and Levi who specifically um, were preoccupied with fighting with Yosef because earlier on in the brachis for Shimon and Levi 
Unclus used those same words, Guvring Gabarin, to refer to Shimon and Levi. So here it's an allu- uh, reference to that. That the, so, so, so basically, Unclus is saying how his brothers fought with him. Perhaps it's a specific reference to Shimon and Levi fighting with him. Okay, now this puzzle gets quite complicated according to Unclus. Vateshev Be'eson Kashtai. Vateshev Be'eson Kashtai. So, Unclus says here an, a, a whole bunch of words. Most commentaries understand that Unclus is actually doesn't mean that these words are said by the Torah, he's just adding them in. What he says is, His prophecy was fulfilled, established, returned, different versions with Unclus. Because he fulfilled the Torah in secret. In private, which is a not so veiled reference to his ordeal with the wife of Potiphar. Vishavi took for and he placed his he, he placed his bitochin, his hope, his, his his trust on the strong one, which is God. Mikodim kel takifa di Yaakov. And oh, then he adds in another few words that he inherited um, royalty. He became the king, and this was uh, given to him from the great, from the strong, strong God of Jacob. the God whom, in whose by whose word. The father and son, Yaakov and his ch- children of Yisrael, are sustained. So, whereas in Rashi, in both interpretations of Rashi, Evan meant a stone, either it was referring to the stone of the Cheshen, or it was referring to Yaakov being the stone, the, the, the foundation of Israel, in Unclus, Evan is actually an acronym for Av Bain. The, it's as if it's Aleph Beis Nun, it's as if it says Aleph Beis, Beis Nun, Av Obain. And that's something which you ha- actually find an interesting, if I may digress for a moment. And in general, there's a whole sugya in, 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 in understanding the Torah of, of Eulav Yorid. Rebbe Magadish refers it to Eulav Yorid. Of Psukim Sheinlam Hechra. Well, basically, where you have a word that you're supposed to read twice. That it, this word refers both to the end of the previous sentence and to the first word of the next sentence. Rebbe um, Magadish explains many Psukim based on that. And. So Unclus is doing that here with this letter, as if Aleph Beis Nun is Aleph Beis Beis Nun. But elsewhere in Parashas Vayechi, he, he does that with a whole word, where he adds a word to the end of the Pasuk, which is really the first word of the next Pasuk, and he says it twice. I, don't rem- I, I noticed it while I was doing Shnai Mikra on, uh, this week. I don't remember right now which Pasuk it is. Uh, let's see if I can find it quickly. I heard this concept uh, in, the, in reference to the... Um the breastplate, which is what we were just talking about before, is it the word Evan? It has a connotation of a connection between the fathers and the sons, and, and the voice of Beis Migdash. There's a medrash I think that says something like that. Yeah, I mean. All right, I'm not going to find this right now, but uh, it definitely is in there somewhere. All right. Anyway, so Unclus does that sometimes. Okay, again, so uh, we, we don't have time to explain how Unclus fits all these words into the Pasuk, but the bottom line is, according to Unclus, 
what this pasuk means is, again, in continuation to the previous pasuk, right? The, the, his brothers tried to get him, but nevertheless, his prophecy was fulfilled in the merit of his overcoming Putifar. I think that's a reference over here to keeping the Torah in, pri- in secret, in private, um, and um, beca- also because he placed his trust in Hashem, and therefore gold, the same as Rashi, gold was put on his hands, he, a reference to him becoming the Mishnah Lamelech as a blessing from the strong God of Jacob, the one in whose word sustenance is provided to the father and the son, to Yaakov and the Shvatim. Moving on to the next pasuk, from the word of God, he adds in here the word of God. So Rashi said that this came, Rashi said, you got this from God. He says, no, the word of God should be your help. Okay, a little bit different. Um, and Hashem should bless you. Okay, the rest of the pasuk is basically similar to Rashi. I should add in, I mentioned before, Rashi, in most commentaries, says that Shadayim refers to the fathers, talking about fertility, because Shadayim Varacham, Shadayim is a reference to the to the father's part in the in the conception, and Racham is the universe, which is the mother's part in the conception. But I did mention that Shadayim usually refers to breasts, and that's actually adopted by Targum Yonason, who says that Birchis Shadayim Verocham is a reference to Rachel, and he's saying blessed should be the breasts from where you nursed and the uterus from where you emerged. So it's, a, it's a just a reference to Rachel, not an actual blessing. Now, here, in the last puzzle, uh, is this the last puzzle? Um, yeah, this is the last puzzle. Birchis of Yicha. So here it's a little bit different than Rashi. He says like this, the, the blessings of your father, Rashi spoke about Yaakov's blessings being better than those of Avram and Yitzchak. Uncle just says, the blessings of your father that I'm giving you right now should be added to those blessings that I got from my parents. Right? Yeah. So basically, the blessings that I'm giving you now should go to you and the blessings that my parents gave me should also be going to you. So that's quite different than Rashi. So Rashi said, means that my blessing was infinite till the corners of the earth. Uncle says, means um, is a reference to his mother, to Rivka. The matriarchs are often alluded to the mountain, referred to as the mountains. Right? Tava means desired. And this is a reference to the story where Rivka desired that Yaakov get the brachas, and therefore she orchestrated that whole thing where um, Yaakov got the brachas of Yitzchak. And all of these should be to the head of Yaakov Elokotkid. He says, Perishoda Achoyi, which is different than Rashi. Rashi said it means to the one who is elevated above his brothers because he's king. Uncle seems to be referring to Yosef as the Parisha, the one who was separated from his brothers, a reference to the fact that they sold him. So I'm going to ask you to please pass out these papers. And we're going to review, just read the whole thing according to Rashi and according to Unklus. And uh, I hope I have demonstrated to you that to refer to this as boring couldn't be further from the truth. From the truth. Um, just take one paper? And, I know, this, it's divided in a way that each person gets two papers and that they're easy to separate. Okay. Oh, I got it. Okay. Just like this. Okay. So, to summarize... Mm-hmm. Um, Pass to Bob and to um, Reb Tzvi and to Reb Bill. 
So to summarize, what did Yaakov actually say to Yosef? So Rashi says, this is what he said. Yosef is a man of grace. His grace is upon those who see him. Women grabbed vantage spots on the wall to look at him. He's a son who extended himself to cover the eye of Esau. And therefore you merited to be so great that when you were paraded around Egypt, all the women climbed up to see you. And also you are immune to Ayin Hara. His brothers embittered his life by selling him into slavery. Potiphar and his wife embittered his life by sending him to jail. They became his enemies, picking fights with him. Potiphar's wife and other ministers in Egypt retained their grudge against him, using their sharp tongues to tattle on him. But despite all of this, his power was strongly affirmed, his dreams were fulfilled, and he even received the royal golden ring on his hand. He received these blessings from God, who is the strength of Yaakov, and one time to be the provider for the father of the Jewish people, which is Yaakov himself. You received all this from God of your father, and he will continue to help you. You were with God when you withheld from Potiphar's wife, and so he will bless you. He will bless you to, pro- to have proper dew, moisture in your earth, fertile men and women offspring. These blessings that Hashem gave me are even greater than those that he blessed my ancestors, because my blessings reach all corners of the earth. May these blessings be bestowed upon Yosef, who is head and shoulders above his brothers. And then, of course, we have in the footnote, the Gemara, which is, um, adds in the whole miraculous story with Yosef and his brothers. That is the summary. This, you summarize this? This is, I wrote this on my computer <laughs> and there's lots of typos which will be fixed before the next, whatever, I don't know when. Fine. Well, now, but this is only Rashi and Unclus and this is just the bracha of Yosef. Now we have to go through all the other commentaries on Yosef and then we have to go to all the other brachas. I, I, I can't fathom why people think this is, anyway, whatever. Unclus. Um, so now, well, that was a summary according to Rashi. Let's summarize according to Unclus. Um, you know what? We're going to honor the king of drama to do this for us. So Go on. Gonna You're going to read us the summary according to Unclus. <coughs> I just wonder why, why One second, we are. We can't. What we? Unclus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to thank the people in the back office. Come on, give us the whole intro. The back office, the front office. Yeah, what do you think of the little people? All right. Do you need your glasses, David Yehuda? No, no. <laughs> Yosef is my son who became great. He is to be compared to a vine <clears throat> planted at the water. <clears throat> the branches of this vine extend to the walls of the vineyard, namely they themselves who will become full-fledged full fledged should be full-fledged. Full-fledged vines, receiving their inheritance in the land. Are we going to stop or just keep going? You know, come on, man. His strong brothers who share his inheritance, specifically <laughs> Shimon and Levi, fought with him, took revenge, and caused him pain. Yet his prophecy was fulfilled because he kept the Torah in private by abstaining from Potiphar's wife and because he placed his trust in the strong Hashem. When gold was placed on then, his arm... Then, huh? then, then, then gold. Then gold was placed on his arm when he became a king. This was gifted to him by Hashem, the strength of Yaakov, whose word, whose words... By whose words? Yes. <clears throat> is provided to the Jewish fathers and sons. May the word of Hashem be your assistance, and may the word of Hashem bless you. Blessings that come from from above, blessings that come from deep in the earth, may you have healthy mothers and fathers. The blessings of your father should be added to the brachas that my parents gave, namely those that were desired by Rivka and the matriarch. May all these be placed on the head of Yosef, who was sold into slavery and separated. Shkaya, thank you, David Yehuda.